the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is your host, Bob Bergman, broadcasting from my office here in San Jose near the Westgate Shopping Center. I hope you've had a great week. I had a a fairly eventful week. Uh, yesterday, I managed to slip and fall and slam my back on a bleacher chair at my daughter's volleyball game. I'm uh, up around in ambulatory today, but um, and a little bit of pain. It's all bruised back there, and I know I'm going to be feeling the whiplash effects in another 24 hours or so. But you know what? You power on through. I wanted to say, uh, first of all, um, I do have seminars coming up. My Living Trust seminar will be tomorrow morning in my office starting at 9 a.m. And I'll have another one of my seminars next Saturday. That's October 13th. That will also be starting at 9 a.m. I have a couple more scheduled in November as well. If you'd like to register for one of my upcoming Living Trust seminars, you can go to lawbob.com. That's L-A-W-B-O-B.com. And uh, then follow the the links to the seminars. You could also go to eventbrite.com and look up Living Trust Seminar for October 6th or October 13th. And click through there and you can register right through there. Space is limited to about 15 people. My office is not gigantic, but it's big enough to hold 15 people. And I urge you to, uh, to register right away if you'd like to come because the one for tomorrow morning is starting to fill up. And I can't guarantee that if you just show up that there'll be a seat for you to sit in unless you don't mind sitting on the lap of somebody else who's already here. And, of course, they don't mind it either. Uh, Those of you who were listening a couple weeks back may recall I had an interview with Nancy Batterman, who is the CEO of Options for All, which is a local nonprofit that came up here from San Diego County, and they help Um, adults with developmental disabilities and autism work on life skills and job skills so that they can become gainfully employed in the community. Well, um, they asked me if I could let you all know that they're having a launch on uh, October 24th at Scott's Seafood in San Jose, where they're going to launch the rebranding of the organization to Options for All. And the public is pretty much, I think, invited to that but you need to go to optionsforall.org to check and see uh, more information about them and to contact them and find out what the details are so that's my little public service announcement for the day for options for all which uh, from what i can see is a fine 
nonprofit charity that is helping a lot of people that need assistance. Now, earlier this week, I actually received a call from someone who was asking me about a situation that came up involving a relative of his, where it turns out uh, the relative, let's call her Jane. Jane is married to John, her husband, and apparently Jane took money out of her retirement plan so that John could go buy uh, a piece of real estate uh, for Jane and John to own together. And what happened was John went and took the money and did buy a piece of real estate, but instead of putting Jane's name on the title, he put his own sister Mary on the title with him. So now the property's owned by husband John and his sister Mary. And the question was, can he do that? And and what, if anything, can Jane do now that her money was taken that was intended to be money for them in the marriage, community property, and and her husband went and took the money and bought a house with he and his sister. Well, it's an excellent question because it's community property and we're in a community property state. Unless Jane consented to that money being taken to purchase a property and put his and put her sister-in-law on the title, she has the legal right to demand that the sister-in-law transfer that half interest back to Jane uh, or to Jane and John. In fact, she probably has the right to undo the entire transaction. And if it's not done voluntarily, she could go to court and insist that her sister-in-law transfer that property back to her because it was community property and she did not consent to having her share of the property given away to her sister-in-law. Now, I would question on the side here, uh, if my spouse were to do something like that with the money that I contributed and leave me off the title of the property, personally, I'd be seriously doubting whether or not that marriage is going to last because that shows a level of of um, a lack of trust and also it shows a level of sneakiness that I think does not really fit in a marriage. But in a case like that, yeah, this person's uh, relative would be able to demand to have that property turned back over um, or the property sold and the money given back to her. That's another possibility. So um, now I'm going to continue on with uh, some more of the the normal things that, that I do on my shows here, which is to share situations from around the state where people are facing actual situations and they're looking for help. They're looking for answers. So here we go. Okay. All right. Here we go. Question comes up out of here in the Bay Area. Uh, this person says, my dad and my brother have had an extremely rocky relationship for several years. Most of the time there was no contact. Recently, dad passed away. Stepmom is listed as the sole beneficiary. My stepmom and I are both executors of the living trust. What they mean is successor trustees. Executors often confused when you're talking about a trust. Executors for a will, not a trust. Dad specifically put that he's leaving my brother nothing after dad dies 
because dad provided for him throughout his life. Today, my stepmom got a letter demanding two copies of the trust be provided to my brother right away or he'll file a petition with the court and order her to pay his attorney's fees and petition costs. So the question is, is he able to do this and what rights does he have? Uh, does stepmom have a time frame to provide copies before they can be requested? And not sure if it matters or not, but it's a revocable living trust. Well, let's answer that. If when dad died, everything is left directly to his wife, who's the stepmom, that's still a revocable living trust, and no part of the trust has become irrevocable. At the time the trust becomes irrevocable, then the brother might be entitled to a copy of the trust um, as the heir of the father, but but not if the stepmother owns everything and she's not the parent of the brother. If he's been excluded, he may not even be entitled to a copy of the trust when his stepmother dies. But at this point in time, until the trust has become irrevocable, unchangeable, no child who's named or excluded from receiving an inheritance can demand a copy of anything because it's still a fully revocable trust. So um, I would suggest to this person, you get back to the brother and say it's a revocable trust. Under the law, you have no right to demand a copy of anything at this time. At the time the stepmom dies, you might be able to. So we're coming up on the first break of the day. Um, this is attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from San Jose. I have a lot more on the show today talking about a lot more situations. So I hope you stay tuned until after the first break. So until then, this is Bob Bergman looking for you on the other side of the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to continue on with more of these uh, questions and comments that I see from around the state. Uh, if you'd like to give me a call and you'd like to ask a question on the air, the number is 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. You can also email me at radio at lawbob.com if you have any questions or comments about the show. Or if you'd like to have me email you a copy of my consumer guide to wills, living trusts, and estate planning. You can also get on my emailing list to be reminded or told about upcoming seminars and other topics of interest that I email around to people. Uh, feel free to email me if you'd like to do that. I noted during the break that uh, another person actually just registered for my seminar tomorrow morning. I don't know if they heard me announce that on the show or if it just came through the ordinary channels of searching around for something to do on a Saturday morning. But uh, we're up to eight people registered so far, so I only have room for seven more before I reach capacity. So if you've been considering coming in and learning about living trusts, 
conservatorship, probate, asset protection for the inheritance for your heirs, things like that. This is the seminar for you. Um, And it's at my office in San Jose. You can register by going through my website or go to eventbrite.com and look for the Living Trust Seminar advertised for tomorrow morning or for next Saturday morning. I also have a couple of them coming up in November as well if you can't make it here in October. Now, here's uh, something out of the Bay Area here. Uh, Someone said... um, My siblings and I found out that our trustee is stealing. What's the procedure for dissolving a trust? And how much time does it take? Well, what we're talking about here is if they they have someone that's in charge of a trust for them and they think the trustee is actually stealing money or property from the trust, they probably could go to court right away, file a petition, and maybe even get a temporary restraining order from the court to stop any further transfers or actions by the trustee pending a resolution of this in court. Uh, They're looking at going into probate court, looking at this. It says it's actually in my county that this is going on. So uh, they're probably looking at right now two and a half to three months to get into court to actually have the matter heard but uh, they might be able to go in uh, without a formal court hearing what's called ex parte by giving notice to the trustee through their attorney and going in immediately to try and get action stopped by this trustee if the trustee is actually stealing from the trust. Very tense situation. I don't help with things like that myself. I don't really do litigation matters. But uh, if you ever face something like this, feel free to give me a call. I have litigators that I refer to here in the Santa Clara Valley that uh, do nothing but litigation involving estates, wills, and trusts. Okay, let's see here. Here's one out of the Sacramento area. Let's see. Oh, no, that one. I'm This is not one that has anything to do with estate planning. It's amazing how many times people think that estate planning covers things that it really doesn't cover. Now, here. Here's someone says, my siblings have taken advantage of my mother. They've not talked to me, tried to have me locked up for life, threw my stuff away, sent me to live someplace other than her home, then threw her stuff away or giving it away before she died. It's been over a year, and no one will give me the money that I'm supposed to get for my inheritance. Um, That's a really tough situation. I'm not sure from the way the question's asked whether the person is all there, but let's assume that this is just the, the case of bad siblings being difficult towards the sibling. Whoever is in charge of the inheritance, if there was a will or if there's a trust that says this person is supposed to get something, they have an obligation to keep in contact with the beneficiary. They have an obligation to keep them informed. And if they're not doing that, the beneficiary may have the right to go to court to have whoever is in charge removed from that position of authority and someone put in that's going to be responsive and that's going to carry out the wishes of the parent that died. That's a very, very tough situation and it's kind of hard to say, um, kind of hard to say whether how it would actually turn out if they went forward. 
Okay, here we go. This is one that I'm sure comes up quite a lot. Grandpa died six years ago. Grandpa's house was sold, and when the money from his trust ran out and he couldn't afford to live there anymore, okay, uh, says, I was 12 when this happened, and since my dad was dead, um, the money was passed on to me. However, I'm not supposed to have access until I'm 18, but my mom has been taking money out to pay for her personal bills. Originally, there was a quarter million dollars. Now there's little more than $160,000. Can my mom do this, or is this illegal? I think the short answer is, what if the mother was put in charge of the money that's for the grandson, her son, and she's spending money on herself and not spending the money on the grandson, her son, that is likely violative of the terms of the trust, and it is illegal. We're talking about embezzlement or conversion. Those are two similar torts is what they're called, which are personal wrongs committed against someone. In this case, if she's the trustee in charge of this property for her son until he's age 18, and she's taking his money and spending it on herself, that is illegal. The son would have every right to go to court and have his mother removed and probably go to court and get a judgment against her, what's called a chargeback, um, to repay all the money she took for herself. In an extreme case, he may even be able to get the district attorney involved and charge her with conversion or embezzlement because as the trustee of the trust, she's in a fiduciary relationship with her son to not use the trust property to personally benefit herself or convert it to her own use. So the mom is in big trouble here if she's actually taken that money and spent it on herself. Now, we're coming up to the mid-show break. I'm going to introduce this next one, kind of tee it up, and then give the answer um, after the break. IRS has a lien on my account preventing me from getting loans and causing a lousy credit score. How can I borrow $10,000 against my share in a trust fund if my stepdad is the trustee still alive? Well, after the break, we'll come back and answer that question. But until then, if you want to give me a call, 800-516-1220. You can email me at radio at lawbob.com. So when we come back after the break, I'll continue and I'll give you the answer to that question, whether someone can get $10,000 out of a trust fund if the stepdad is still alive and is the trustee. Until then, this is attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you after the mid-show break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Before the break, I set up a situation that I'm going to answer now. The situation was uh, someone needed to get $10,000 from their share of a trust fund 
which was actually set up by the parents, and the stepfather, is, who's the trustee, is still alive. and wants to know, uh, how do I borrow $10,000 against my share in the trust fund? Well, first of all, if it was the parents' trust and the stepfather is still alive and is the trustee, that means there is no trust fund for you to borrow against. That's because unless there was a trust that was set up when the parent died that left property in trust for uh, this particular person, uh, everything is still owned by the stepfather in the trust, and it's probably a revocable trust, which would mean there is nothing to borrow against. If the stepfather wanted to loan money to this uh, to this person, to the stepson, uh, and then have it count against his share, and when the distribution finally comes, when the stepfather dies, that's one thing. But there's no way to actually make a claim against a trust fund that is not yours as the beneficiary yet. So that's kind of an issue right there. Okay, here's someone asking for a friend. Friend is 58 years old, recently had a stroke, is now on Medi-Cal. He wants to sell his house, but is worried if he sells the house, he'll no longer be eligible for Medi-Cal. The question is, will he still be eligible for Medi-Cal benefit if he sells the house? This is kind of a tricky one because uh, I would ask the question, why do you want to sell your house? Um, (laughs) Because uh, do you need the money? You're on Medi-Cal. If you sell the house, you're going to have a whole bunch of cash, and that's the problem. If you convert the house, which is an exempt asset under the Medi-Cal laws here in California, if you convert it from a house to cash in the bank, then you'll have to declare that cash, and you're probably going to end up losing your Medi-Cal when you do that. Uh, If you're worried about protecting the house, you can put the house into a revocable living trust and not have it be subject to recovery from Medi-Cal when you pass away. But um, this has the potential to be a very complicated question because there's some other moving parts. Uh, Does he intend to sell the house or does he intend to keep the house, maybe rent it out? That will provide income. Maybe the income will be too much and he could lose some Medi-Cal eligibility there as well. But kind of in general, if you were to sell an asset that's exempt under the Medi-Cal rules, You've converted it to cash, and cash is not exempt under the Medi-Cal rules. So that could actually take an exempt asset, make it a non-exempt asset, and cause the loss of Medi-Cal eligibility as a result. Here's a situation that I'm I'm sure comes up. Uh, I know things like this or similar come up all the time throughout California because we're regular, regularly seeing questions on my listservs where um, where uh, people are saying, hey, do you know this attorney? Do you know who did the plan for this person? Whatever it happens to be. In this case, um, the, the person contacting said, I need a living trust, will, power of attorney, and medical directives. What can be done if only unsigned copies are available? It sounds like the person that created these and signed them They can't find the originals that the person signed, and now someone needs to take over for them. Maybe take over as a successor trustee, take over as an agent on a power of attorney, 
take over as a healthcare agent on a medical advance healthcare directive. It says the attorney who drew up the trust and the other documents has retired. He was contacted accepting, except, excuse me, attempting to get a signed and notarized copy, but he said his computer had crashed and was able to provide unsigned copies only. Well, that's a problem. I would suggest to this person you go to the person who created the plan, who signed it, and go through all their papers, go through every box, look in every closet, look under the bed, any place they could have possibly put those documents in a folder or in a binder. I had a situation years ago where where a client of mine passed away, and um, and his successor trustee was actually a friend of his. That friend contacted me because apparently my client passed away and he was a hoarder, meaning that uh, he had just let all kinds of things pile up in his house. And uh, this friend, who was the successor, she knew she was the successor, did not know where the estate plan was, and we figured it was someplace in the house. So she had a key. I met her there. We went into the house. Wow. It was a disaster. There were piles and piles of paper everywhere. There was cats had been living there. There was cat stuff everywhere. It was horrible. It was basically a hazard zone. But I said, okay, I know um, this client was pretty methodical. Probably the plan was out somewhere where it could be seen. So we managed to dig our way in and wade into what was, I, I think, like an office. And sure enough, I said, look for a binder like this. And then we saw the binders sitting on top of the computer monitor. We quickly grabbed it and we got out of that house as quickly as possible. It actually took a hazmat team coming in to clean out the house because it was that bad. It was not safe to stay in there. So I would say here, if you can't find it, you got to go through everything, every box, every place papers like that could fit. It's probably somewhere in the person's house or garage. And, uh, and, and if you literally can't find it, that could mean that the person actually threw it out intentionally and it may no longer be valid because of that. But beyond that, there's nothing else that could really be done. Here's someone out of the Bay Area. Says, I own 50% of a property here in California. My brother owns the other 50%. My brother says he wants to gift his half to me, so I'll own 100%. Now, because there's a gift, uh, it looks like we'll have to file a gift tax return for the amount of the gift. Well, that's true. The brother would have to actually maybe offset the value of that 50% interest by filing a gift tax return and claiming a credit against the gift tax so he doesn't actually pay any tax. But here the person said, my concern is the property taxes will be reassessed and how will they calculate that? What will literally happen is because the brother is not an exempt transfer from reassessment or exclusion from reassessment, the 50% interest transferred by the brother will cause 50% of the value of that property to be reassessed to the market value on the date the gift was made. So, for example, let's assume the property was purchased for a half a million dollars. 
Today it's worth a million and a half. And uh, they each own half of it. So each of them has what's called a a, a quarter million dollar basis in the property for their each half. Then the brother gives his half to the other brother. So what will happen is essentially 50% of the equity of a million dollars will be reassessed to the current value. So that means the assessed value will go up from that original half million that it was purchased for to a million dollars. Of course, the half million probably has a higher amount now because uh, it's been going up 2% per year since the purchase was made. But it does mean that the brother who now received the gift, their property taxes will go up. The half of the brother that gave the gift, it will be reassessed to the current market value for that half. Here's a question that I actually get a lot from my clients, and I discuss it in uh, in the meetings when we're signing documents. And we start talking about, especially talking about bank accounts. Banks are notorious for not being very friendly when you want to take an existing bank account and transfer the ownership to the living trust that you just set up. Most major banks will require you to close the account and then open a new account in the name of the trust. And that could be a real pain because you might have automatic debits coming out of the account and automatic deposits like your paycheck, Social Security check, things like that, paying for utilities, paying the mortgage, all that coming out. So the question is, is it best to put pay on death to my trust or retitle the asset under the trust name? This person's funding their trust, which means they're transferring assets to their trust. My advice is the best thing to do is retitle an asset into the trust name. Then it's perfectly clear to everybody that it is owned by the trust. Now, with something like a day-to-day checking account, I sometimes advise people, if if they're going to make you close it, then do this. Step one, put pay on death on that account to your trust that you've just set up. That way, at your death, it will pay to your trust. Step two, fill out the power of attorney card at the bank and list all the people you've named on your power of attorney so that they can have access to and control that account if you become incapacitated. Because then if you become incapacitated, I'll want them to go ahead and close out that account and set up a new account in the name of the trust. Because often there's monies that are actually no longer coming in to that account, maybe because you're not working anymore, so there's no paycheck. So we're coming up on the third break of the day. I'm going to be coming up, finishing up the show with some more of these questions and comments. 800-516-1220. Talk with you after the break. This is Bob Bergman. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back to the final segment of the show. I, I, I thought I'd take actually a quick opportunity here to put in a plug for my, my daughter's um, 
a festival at their school, which starts this afternoon at 5 o'clock and goes through the whole weekend. It's the Fiesta 2018 at St. Francis Cabrini School in San Jose. Uh, there is, uh, there's going to be amusement park rides, a lot of great food, wine and beer for the parents. There's also going to be uh, games uh, that the kids can play for for prizes. And tonight especially, a really good live local band that comes in and plays a lot of those songs that people like me grew up with, songs from the 60s, 70s, and 80s and beyond, and they do a real good job of it. So it's at St. Francis Cabrini School, which is on Woodard Road, backs up to Camden Avenue across from the Camden Shopping Center. Uh, You'd have to park in the front lot on Woodard Road or down the side streets. It's going to be pretty busy tonight. Um, I plan on being there with my my wife and my kids so that they can ride and ride and ride for several hours and then go home tonight and go to sleep exhausted, which is just fine by me. That means when I get up tomorrow morning for my seminar in my office, I'll be leaving while everyone else in the family is still sound asleep. Now, here's a situation, and this is something that does come up now and then in families' lives. Here it says, uh, this person's talking about um, dad died. When he died, he had a case that he had won that had four years left to be paid out. So that sounds like there was some kind of a settlement that had to be paid out over time, but then the person receiving the settlement has died. And the question is, would it go to the two sons automatically, and what would they need to do? Well, I'd start first with, what does the settlement say? If the settlement says it's to be paid to this person or to his heirs and assigns, then they might be able to convince who's ever paying out the settlement to just start paying their respective shares to them. But the more likely result is, because it's an ongoing financial monies that are coming in, unless the total amount coming in is less than $150,000 between the two sons, if it was less than that, they could probably use a small estate affidavit directed to whoever's paying out the money to say, okay, our father's died, here's his death certificate, now you start paying to us because we are the heirs under the law. Um, There was no will, which is the case here, and that might very well work. If the payout is more than that over the next several years, then probably they'll need to go to court in the county where their father died and establish a probate so that there's a place to receive the funds, and then the funds will be held until they're ready to be distributed. If they want them distributed out during the probate, They can always petition the court for that, but that may or may not be granted by the court. So uh, two possible outcomes there that I can see just with with a cursory read. One is they might be able to take it over with an affidavit of small estate value if it's not too much total. The other is they may have to go to probate to set up a mechanism for receiving those funds coming from the settlement that their father had. Here's a woman who has a... uh, a deed. Uh, she was married, and she has a deed that says married woman as her sole and separate property, and she's now divorced. So she's now set up a living trust, and she realized that that's what her deed says. Um, 
So the question is, she asked, is do I need to change the deed to single before transferring the deed to my living trust? I'm sure a lot of people this comes up. Here's what she would do. Let's assume her name is Jane Doe. She would make a deed from herself to herself as trustee of her trust. The grantor language, which is the from herself language, would say Jane Smith, a an unmarried woman or a single woman, either one, doesn't matter, who took title as Jane Smith, a married woman as her sole and separate property, hereby grants to Jane Smith as trustee of the Jane Smith Trust dated blah, 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 whatever the date happens to be. So she doesn't need to do a transfer in between to clear her title from married woman as sole and separate property to herself as single. She can do that on one deed, just letting people know that it's the same person. It would be the same as if she was taking back her unmarried name, like Jane Doe, who took t- a single woman who took title as Jane Smith, a married woman as her sole and separate property. So that is a, a pretty straightforward one right there. But it's one I'm sure a lot of people ask questions about, and they're not really sure what they can and can't do. Now, here we go. Here are two siblings that are co-trustees of um, co-trustees of a trust, and one co-trustee is asking the other one for financials on the parents, and the and the other one saying, "I don't have to give it to you because I'm not required to provide an accounting if the beneficiary and the trustee are the same person." Well, here clearly the beneficiary is not the same person as the trustee. So the one demanding to have that information shared as a co-trustee is entirely right. They're entitled to see that information so they can see what they're supposed to do as a co-trustee for the parents' trust. Well, we're wrapping up today. I hope you have enjoyed the show. And uh, please consider coming to my seminar tomorrow morning or next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Visit lawbob.com for more information. And come to St. Francis Cabrini's Fiesta this weekend only, starting at 5 o'clock this afternoon. Until then, this is Attorney Bob Bergman, and I'll talk with you next week. To plan your estate radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.